Inspiring employees, getting them to be more engaged in their work and mission of the organization can sometimes feel like pushing a mule uphill. But today's guest says that inspiration and inspiring employees is an essential leadership skill. And when we come back, we'll find out exactly what she means by that. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I've got a great guest for you today. She's Allison Holzer. Allison helps leaders drive stronger employee engagement, culture, and business results through innovative people strategies as a master certified coach and advisor. She draws from 20 years of experience working with diverse global leaders on unlocking new awareness and inspired performance for themselves and the organizations they lead. She's the co-author of the book, Dare to Inspire, and she's been featured at a TEDx talk. Her topic, unpack the power of inspiration to shape your future. Now, since business leaders are empowered and actually responsible for shaping the future of their organizations, I am super excited to have Allison join us and give us some tips on inspiring employees. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Allison. Thank you, Hannah. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. You know, inspiring employees and this whole concept of inspiration in the workplace is intriguing, but I have to admit, it sounds a bit like waving a magic wand, and I'd love to get a better understanding of what inspiration is. What do you mean by that? Sure. Happy to speak to that. So the first thing that I'll say is that I understand what you're saying about feels like a magic wand, and yet what I thought was so fascinating when we did the research for our book on inspiration in the workplace is when I asked people about times when they felt most inspired in their work and in their lives, they could answer the question easily. Like we know what the feeling feels like. We know when we have it. We know when we don't. And yet it's hard for people to articulate what it actually is. So when I ask people, so what is that to describe that feeling? that they have. And that's a bit harder. So the good news is we know when we have it, we know when we don't. And what we've offered is a way to think about defining it so that people can better understand it. And what we discovered is inspiration, it's it's a bit different than engagement or even happiness or the concept of flow that you might hear about in the workplace as well. Inspiration, there's two things that are occurring at the same time. When you're inspired, one, you see new possibilities, things that weren't there before. So you're sort of opened up to new ideas. The emotion cultivates that in you. But at the same time of feeling more open to new ideas, you also feel this sort of heightened urge to take action. So you feel more motivated to act on those ideas. And you can imagine, Hannah, why that is a powerful combination, right? Because You've got new thinking, new ideas, and you feel more compelled to take action. And so it really propels you forward, almost like a rocket fuel towards new creative and exciting goals and ideas that you're working on. That is a great combination. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But here's the big question, (laughs) Allison. How do you spark inspiration in others? How does an executive manager or entrepreneur begin inspiring employees? Could you give me an example? Yeah. One of the things that we've learned is how inspiration is truly personal. 
in terms of what inspires each individual. So we discovered these different, we call them engines of inspiration, but they're pathways that make it more likely for inspiration to occur. But what those pathways are to you might be different than to me than to somebody else. So part of what managers have to be doing is really understanding from their employees and sort of getting into their psyche to understand what is it that does uniquely inspire them. And they can do that by asking a variety of different types of questions to really understand them. It's almost taking a coaching approach to management, which by the way, right now we're hearing is incredibly important. We hear a lot right now how employees want their managers to take more of a coaching approach in terms of how they interact with them. And so it's a skill set that we see managers today really focused on developing. So ask your employees using coaching questions to think about a time when they were inspired. Where were they? What were they doing? What was most important to them? What were the types of values that they were aligned with and expressing during those times? And usually when people begin to look back and they'll notice patterns about things that inspire them. So I'll give you a few examples. One example from the book is environment. And I remember we interviewed several different leaders. And when they talked about the places where they got most inspired, and they said, you know, it is about my environment. So when I'm out walking in nature, when I'm in a museum or looking at art, or when I'm even in my own office, but I'm creating something in the environment around me that is moving to me, that sparks inspiration. And that's really unique because there are some people who say, well, I don't even notice my environment. That's really not that important to me, right? But for some, environment really matters. And when they realize that about themselves, then they can begin to craft and think about, okay, if I'm not inspired today, I need to either change my environment or go to a different environment or think about how I can utilize my environment to shift those feelings. Another example that I think is really interesting, and I hear a lot of leaders talking about today, is this idea of unstructured think time. We are so busy in our lives today and we're constantly receiving information and being almost bombarded with new information at every moment. At the same time, we're stretched, many of us, across different meetings and demands in the workplace. And yet, what I keep hearing over and over again from leaders at all different levels is how, you know, I get my most inspired ideas when I have a chunk of time to really let my mind wander and think creatively. And that's when I get my greatest ideas about, you know, new strategies, new initiatives, something that I want to move forward, some problem that I've been trying to solve, and I haven't been able to figure it out. So if we notice about ourselves that having these sort of bigger chunks of time for sort of unstructured thinking is actually a place where we get inspiration, then we can actually design around it. And we can say, no, actually, that's a part of my work. That's not just me sitting around daydreaming. That makes me be better at my job. And so it really gives people permission when they understand what inspires them to begin to craft their workplace in a way that allows them to tap into those feelings and inspiration as a fuel more often and when they need it. It also helps managers think about that for those that they lead. How do I as a manager support my employees to do that for themselves? And how do I create opportunities for them? Well, you know, it's interesting because I can just imagine some people saying, well, when I have unstructured think time, it's inspirational. It works for me. When I see somebody else doing it, they're daydreaming and goofing off. Because inspiration, you know, it doesn't exactly strike on a schedule, does it? So 
I can see people taking advantage of that unstructured think time, no? Well, it's interesting. I think that we have a culture, right, where there is a tendency to almost like shame others for something that doesn't look outwardly productive. And in fact, the example that you gave is interesting because I was talking to a leader about, and he was sharing about unstructured think time and he was saying, yeah, you know, I had this day in my office and I took a few minutes to sit down and I was sitting down in a chair and I was reading a book and the book was related to his work and he was using it for some creative think time. Somebody walked by his office and they saw him sitting and reading and it became the joke of the day. So that they, they were telling other people, oh, so-and-so was just sitting in his office, kicking up his feet and reading a book. And they teased him about it. And he said, I was upset by that because I was actually really having a moment that was important for my work. And I was doing some real deep thinking and solving some important challenges. But on the outside, it doesn't look, quote, productive, right? We value so much what outward productivity means and looks like. So I think we need to rethink how we view productivity and results and allow each other and ourselves to have more space to tap into the emotions that actually generate better results, right? Because inspiration drives better results and it also drives greater well-being. So we can look outwardly productive a lot and then we can burn ourselves out and we're not bringing our best to the workplace anymore. And that's truly a tragedy. Well, I like what you said about looking productive, because how many times do people look productive, but they're really not like folks forcing themselves to stay at the computer or late in the office if they actually had FaceTime. Oh, I was there till nine o'clock at night. Yeah, but did you get anything done? You know, I mean, was it really meaningful? I definitely get your point. But by the same token, what I'm sensing here as an underlying theme, whether it's a manager speaking to their reports to find out like, you know, what inspires them, what motivates them, what gets them really get their juices flowing, or somebody, like you said, reading a book that they really are doing something that is productive and, you know, moving the mission of the organization and moving strategy forward, solving problems. There seems to be this immense need for trust. And not every organization is high in trust. So when you're counseling Mm -hmm. somebody, how do you address that issue? Yeah, that's such a good point because it does require trust. And trust, it's reciprocal, right? So in order to be given, it needs to be received. In order to be received, it needs to be given. And so a lot of times when we're working with teams and organizations that are lower in trust, we are working with them on the rebuilding trust by giving it, which feels unnatural to people who are in a low trust environment, right? Because if you're in a low trust environment, you're going to be protective. You're going to put up walls, you're going to put up shelves. And the last thing that you're going to do is give trust. So it feels very counterintuitive, but it's truly a way that people can begin to open up and be a bit more vulnerable with each other and emit more understanding of each other. A lot of times trust, and there's different types of trust. We have a whole trust model that we utilize, and I won't really get into that, but there are different types of trust. And a lot of it is really just about understanding each other better, right? And understanding each other's strengths that we bring to the table so that we're not projecting our own values and what we think is productive onto others. But at the end of the day, it's understanding, okay, you might bring different strengths or a different way of doing things to the table. But at the end of the day, we're on the same team. And as long as we're producing the results that we need to produce, 
then that's okay. We can have different ways of getting things done. You know, you can read your book and I can do my thing. But as long as we're coming together as a team and we're all contributing and we're getting the results that we need, then that's what matters. So I think a lot of this too is understanding each other more. And inspiration can help cultivate that, right? When you understand what inspires people, it's almost like you get a lens into their core underlying motivations, what matters to them. And one of the things, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of the statistics that have been coming out recently about you know, the great resignation and reshuffling and why people leave jobs. And one of the main reasons why people leave and also why people stay more so than things like compensation or even things like flexibility, which can be very important to people. But one of the top reasons why people either stay or leave is really a sense of meaning and purpose in the workplace. Like they feel valued. They feel like they understand why they're there. And meaning and purpose, it's the number one, you know, out of our research, it was the number one driver of inspiration. If you do one thing to try to tap into inspiration for yourself and others, more, that's the place to focus the most is what gives people meaning and purpose because it is will inspire them. And oftentimes when we tap into our own meaning and purpose, not only does it inspire us, it also inspires the people around us because people around us can feel that we have a sense of purpose and meaning and they feel that passion in what we say. So if I'm a leader and I'm tapping into my meaning and purpose and I'm talking about the meaning and purpose of the organization, emotions are contagious and people start to feel that and draw energy from it. So I think that's an important part of trust as well, is we need to be tapping into and understanding what gives each other meaning and purpose and be okay if it's different. If what gives you meaning and purpose is different than what gives me that, we just need to understand it in each other. Fair enough. In your work with organizations, Allison, have you found that there are differences as far as generations go in the workplace when it comes to inspiring employees? You know, it's interesting that you ask that because there are so many generational differences in terms of values, right? And what people are looking for in terms of their job experience. But we didn't notice particular patterns in terms of engines of inspiration that drive individuals across different generations that we looked at. So it wasn't something that we found. And I think it's because it is so unique. You know, we talk about it like it's a fingerprint. And so it's truly unique what inspires each person. And part of the process is cracking your own code on understanding what is it that uniquely inspires me right now and how do I tap into that more? All right. Fair enough. Now, it's one thing to spark inspiration. What tips do you have for keeping that flame going? How do you keep inspiring employees? Yeah, this is actually part three of our book. So we talked a lot in the first half of the book on how do you make the spark happen? And then we get into how do you sustain it? And one of the things that we talk a lot about is this idea of energy management, right? If you think about inspiration like a fuel and it can be a spark and sparks are hot and sparky and then, you know, eventually they fizzle out. And the question is, how do you turn that spark into something that's more like a sustaining flame? And it's the same as for our human systems, right? I can get really worked up and excited and passionate about an idea, and then I lose touch with it, or my day-to-day life comes in and gets in the way, and the next thing I know, the spark sort of flamed out. So this idea of energy management is really being attuned to our energy levels and 
how they're doing sort of throughout the day, but we don't talk about energy in terms of just physical energy. There's sort of these different buckets of energy. So there's physical energy, there's emotional energy, which is more about the quality of the energy that you bring versus the quantity. Then there's your mental energy, which is your ability to focus on a particular task at any given moment. And then there's an energy that has to do more with your spirit and your spirit or your sense of purpose, your why in any moment. And so these different buckets of energy can kind of go up and down. For example, I might be physically tired, but I feel very purposeful. So my purpose and spirit energy is up very high, but my physical energy is very low. My mental energy, you know, I might be really, really focused. My emotional energy, I might be feeling really drained and in sort of a grumpy, negative mood. So we work with leaders on how to be attuned to all these different levels of energy and to be noticing when they're dipping and then to use strategies to step in and sort of reset your energy levels. And we talk a lot about the idea of a reset, which can be a 30 second to, you know, five minute kind of activity that you do to sort of regroup and give yourself energy boost. (laughs) And the type of reset that you choose, if your physical energy is low, you might use a reset that helps you boost your physical energy. If your emotional energy is low, you might choose something rather than going on a walk, you might do something more like music, something that's going to tap into your emotions. So this idea is you manage your energy throughout the day and you're attuned to it and it allows you to stay at a level where you can feel connected to the things that inspire you most, that you're not sort of spiraling down into a really low energy state where inspiration might fizzle out for you. So that's one of the things that we talk about in terms of sustaining energy. But the other thing that I think would be important to mention is we look at how to keep coming back to and re-sparking those engines of inspiration, right? So if I'm a leader and I'm leading a team and I know that this team really gets fired up and excited when they're together in the room and when they're talking about their mission, right? And that I'm just thinking of a particular client that we work with and the leader had identified that this was an important practice for their team to stay inspired. If I know that about my team, then I'm going to make sure that I build that into our system so that we are doing that regularly. We're tapping into those engines of inspiration intentionally and regularly, whether it's weekly or every other week or whatever is manageable for your schedule. So we see that a lot, leaders doing that. There's another leader that we work with who taps into strengths because strengths is something that really fires up her team where they get to hear about each other's strengths or acknowledge each other's strengths. So that leader built that into their check-ins when they do their team check-ins. So these types of ways of kind of coming back to and bringing the conversation back alive regularly is also really important in terms of sustaining inspiration. And you can do that actually creative ways too with your performance management system by building in questions that allow people to talk to their managers really openly about what inspires them and what they're doing to be able to bring that into their workplace or tap into it outside of the workplace. So really good performance management systems ask questions that allow, you know, and help employees think about where they get inspiration from and how they can tap into it regularly. Those are some great ideas. I appreciate your sharing that. In the uh, Mm -hmm. short amount of time that we have left, Allison, what do you think is the most important thing you want leaders to know about inspiring their employees? Yeah, the first and most important thing that I will always share with leaders is that 
it's truly a leader's first job to inspire yourself. And I say that because, you know, we talk about this in our research and our work. Emotions are contagious. Inspiration is an emotion like, like others. And for you as a leader, when you are practicing this for yourself and you're attuned to when your energy levels are high and low and you are bringing your inspiration engines into your day-to-day and into your week and being attuned to it and practicing it regularly, it will shift how you feel. You will feel more inspired on a regular basis and those around you will feel that in you. It's important because your employees will pick up on those emotions and feel them from you, but also because you're modeling for them. You're modeling for them that, hey, it's actually important to prioritize this because if I'm not inspired, I'm not going to be showing up at my best in my workplace. And that's important for me and it's important for everybody around me. So you're modeling it. It's authentic. And then everyone around you picks up on that. And then it almost gives them permission to say, oh, yeah, I should be doing this too. My boss is doing this. I should be doing this. Because if you're not doing it, but then you're talking to employees about getting inspired or you're trying to talk them into being more inspired, but you don't feel it yourself, it will come across as inauthentic and it won't really work. So it really does have to start with you. Awesome. And I am hoping that for the people that are listening, that all of your comments and observations and experiences here that you've shared inspires them and gets their sparks going because, Allison, this has really been amazing. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your research about inspiration and especially about what it takes when it comes to inspiring employees. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Allison's work, her book, Dare to Inspire, or her TEDx talk, you can find that information in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from today's interview, please tell them about this podcast episode, share the link, and leave a positive review. Thank you so much for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Have a great day and an even more inspired tomorrow.